I'm Rick Bassman. I'm Mina Martinez. The pit bull is one of the world's most misunderstood creatures. The wildly unfair reputation surrounding these beautiful and sweet dogs has segued into mistreatment and abuse in many forms, and from there, mass euthanasia. Pit bull type dogs make up only 15% of the canine population, yet 40% of the 2 million dogs killed each year in the US shelters are bully breeds. We're here to change that. It's the lucky few pit bulls who find great, loving, forever homes. But even many of these few first have to travel a path where they're abused, made to fight, banned from entire cities, and abandoned. It takes a rare kind of person with a big heart to open their homes to a pit bull type dog. When you do, you're almost always guaranteed to find yourself with an incredibly sweet, loyal, affectionate dog who will love you with all of their heart. It's our mission to advocate for our beautiful bully breeds to overcome the unfair and inaccurate vilification surrounding the pit bull, to overturn breed-specific legislation, to abolish dog fighting. It is a big mission and we are dedicated to doing our part, starting right here at the Pitbull Podcast. Please join Rick Bassman and Mina Martinez for a new episode of the Pitbull Podcast every Saturday right here on Podcast One. Also available on Spotify, Apple, Google, and wherever you get your podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Rick Bassman here with another episode of the Pitbull Podcast. Super excited about the guest today. Ever since I started talking tough three years ago, I've been trying to get this particular guest on. And we finally landed it today. And I'm someone who I hugely admire in the, I would say the Pitbull world. That's too narrow, but there's something about what this woman has done in the Pitbull world that I just love. We'll get into that. We'll introduce her in a moment. Quickly, if you're watching us today, on the Hannibal TV, which many of you are, please also check out uh, and subscribe to my YouTube, if you wouldn't mind. That's at Rick Bassman. And that said, there's somebody else I'm equally excited to talk to today, all the way live from Chiba, Japan, outside of Tokyo, my good friend and my partner, the founder and operator of the only true animal sanctuary in all of Japan, Mina Martinez. Hi, good morning. Well, it is morning over um, here. It's good morning for you, good afternoon for me, and good evening for the guests we're about to have on. We're wow, here. we are international today. We are. In, how you doing, Mina? What's going on out there? Oh, lots and lots of animals. There's so many animals that need no help. No way. I don't believe <laughs> it. I can, I can hear a ruckus going on in the kitchen. I think there's a... Pitbull and a German Shepherd and a Husky and a Toy Poodle in there playing right now. So that's going to be fun to go back to. Oh, my God. Wow. No, you're this is obviously like separated or supervised somehow, correct? Yes. Um, They're all animals that I can trust to be together are left together. Yes. And the ones that I can't, they come here and they spend an hour with me. That that is amazing. I, I want to tell you quickly before we bring our guest on, or did I ever tell you about the program I witnessed called Dogs Playing for Life? Uh, <laughs> the first time I ever, this is Amy Sadler's program. She was Caesar's main person for years. Okay. And 
first time I ever drove up to Shadows Fund in Lompoc. And of course, we had Jill and Cody Rackley on not long ago, mm -hmm. who are the founders and operators of Shadows Fund. Drove onto this beautiful 10 acre property. I mean, it was like gorgeous, like mountains and fields. And there's a big pen, big pen's pen. And I look in the pen and I start counting. There were 17 pit bull type dogs in this pen and there was not a human in sight. <laughs> I'm like, my God. Well, it turns out these dogs were like raised and brought up in a program called Dogs Playing for Life. And it worked. And it was amazing. Cody and Jill eventually explained it to me. I know a bit about it now, but it's uh, something that if I ever do my own sanctuary, I'm going to be adopting that program for sure. Wow. Pretty crazy. I, I, yeah, um, I need to note that down or, or ask you about it afterwards because I want to know about that. Yeah, I'll send you um, I'll send you a message on it. And I'll connect you to the woman who like started the whole thing also. Thank you. All right, we'll do it. Because, you know, me and you, we're connected, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially, a little bit. <laughs> especially in the world of our pit bull type dogs. Speaking of which, okay, so I was mentioning before you came on, we have a guest on today who is a documentarian, a filmmaker, an award-winning filmmaker um, who makes you know movies about all sorts of different walks of life, the, the human condition all around the world. I believe she's made some films out of Africa. You and I were talking about Africa just a moment ago before we got on the air here. Uh, <laughs> She also produced a documentary a few years ago called The Champions that I'm just in love with. I don't know how many times I've watched this darn thing. You and I have spoken about it. Um, yeah. I have to go watch it again after today's episode. Um, we almost watched it at your house um, in September. That's right. Of course. Absolutely. We were talking about it, but someone fell asleep. <laughs> Imagine, right? <laughs> Your three hours of sleep a night. I know. Not that the movie would ever put you to sleep. It's fascinating, of course. Um, and The Champions was about, of course, for those of us in, in the world of pit bulls and dogs and people outside of it know that Michael Vick, we may want to talk about today, maybe not, had raised, had, had a dog fighting ring and he got shut down, blessedly. And they rescued all of, they being the authorities, of course, rescued 30 some dogs from his facility who apparently could not be rehabilitated. Like, we've got to put all these dogs down. But the end story was much different, and it was chronicled in a brilliant movie called The Champions that was produced and directed by our guest today, award-winning filmmaker Darcy Dennett. Hello. Hi, Sorry. Guys. <laughs> hey, Darcy. How are you guys? Good. How are you Great. both? <laughs> oh, you i love that movie oh my god i don't i'm not i'm, I'm not uh very often like a fan i don't get to go in fan mode when we have guests on today's different um very glad <laughs> to have you on yeah when i first um was in contact with rick it was because of pitbulls um the guitarist of guns and roses introduced us right and yes. one of the first things you told me was you gave me access to your Netflix so that I could watch the champions. He was like, you have to watch this. You have to watch this. This is the most amazing thing. This is going to make you cry. Yeah. <laughs> He's been on it for, since I've known Rick for probably, I don't know, decade. It's been a while. Yes. So, so Darcy, um, for, for those, for those watching who may not know, and of course, when we post this, we'll put up your bio and all of that. Can you introduce yourself real quickly, who you are, you know, what you do in your professional life generally? 
<laughs> Thank you for the question. Um, geez, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, so I am a documentary filmmaker. Um, I, I guess it's a bit of a strange profession. Um, I found what I love pretty early in life. I was um, in college and I, I wanted to be a doctor and I took a chemistry class at the same time. I took a great documentary class and I switched my major um, and did quite a bit of photography also in college. So I, I feel really fortunate that I found what I loved kind of early in my life. And I found that I had an aptitude for it. I was a really shy, I was sort of a really introverted person. Um, and I think that photography and filmmaking kind of drew me out of my shell and um, taught me to interact with the world around me. And, and in some ways, I'm actually rather extroverted now, I think. Um, a, a recent personality test um, revealed that I was right on the cusp of introvert and extrovert, actually. And then if that happens, you can choose which one you are. And I chose introvert. But um, I, um, I have had a really exciting life. Um, and have tried very hard to live my life in a way that I feel that I don't have any regrets um, because life is so short and can end really at any moment. And so I have tried to live my life to the very fullest and I believe that I've largely done so. Um, but I'm very privileged and that I've gotten to see and do quite a lot of different things, um, a lot of really diverse things. Um, and I probably have a pretty unusual perspective on the world I would imagine given my experiences. Um, that I don't always talk about because it's hard. They're not all very relatable experiences um, yeah. to sort of communicate about them. You'd have to sort of talk at length um, about them, maybe write a book or something like that. So, <laughs> Quick, Quickly, um, apart from apart from Dogtown and apart from the champions, what were the subjects of some of the <clears throat> films that you've made? Well, I've only made one feature documentary and that is the champions. Um, and the other, I've made a short film about 9-11. Um, and I'm currently working on a few, on, on, on a few short, shorter films. Um, but largely I've done pieces for television. Um, so I've worked a lot on This Is Life with Lisa Ling. I've worked a lot for National Geographic. Um, I worked on a series, um, called Belief uh, that followed uh, people around the world about and talked and, and explored different people's uh, beliefs and religion. Um, that was a, a series that Oprah Winfrey did. Um, I've done a lot of different types of things. Um, Can you choose these jobs? I'm sorry to cut in there. Um, that was- Oh, please, rude. not at all. Um, when you choo choose these things, are they just opportunities that come to you or do you find like a passion in, in a certain subject and then you go and you're like, okay, this is what I want to document? That's a great question. Um, well, when you're hired for television jobs, typically um, you don't necessarily get to choose, right? You may have one or two, or if you're lucky, three different opportunities to choose from at any given time. And you try to choose the opportunity that best suits you, that's most interesting to you. Um, and then um, on the flip side of that, then, for example, the champions, that idea was one that um, I personally wanted to do. And it's sort of like working in the reverse. You have an idea um, and you can't stop thinking about it. And you keep knocking on doors and trying to make it happen. And you're climbing uphill trying to make something happen. 
um, that um, if you're lucky and work hard enough, um, you can hopefully make happen. So they're very different. So the champions um, is more like a passion project for you. Yes. And you develop that as the term is known in the industry. What, why do you, how do you go from making all these TV shows and projects about human beings and now you get interested in the world that the champions portrayed? How did that happen? It's a great question. I once, there was a producer that was working with me once on a series about dogs who said something like, well, you know, I really prefer stories about humans. And I, at the time I was like, well, that's a really funny thing to say, like, um, that she characterized herself that way. Um, I feel like, so I had worked on the series Dogtown, um, which somebody had approached me about developing. Um, uh, so I was involved in the series Dogtown, which is a series that follows the work of Best Friends Animal Society um, from sort of the, the very beginning through to the very end, actually. Um, and throughout the course of that series, and, and at the time, I mean, I've always loved animals, but I wouldn't have, I wasn't necessarily very experienced with animals and I wouldn't have considered myself an animal advocate um, necessarily. Um, I wouldn't have known how to be an animal advocate. Um, and I, of course, the whole world of animal welfare is huge and diverse and complicated. Um, and so throughout the time that I spent working on Dogtown, I got to know the folks at Best Friends Animal Society. Amazing, incredible group of people. Okay, can I interject um, something real quick? I, I interrupt a lot, sorry. So No, please, every, I prefer every, that actually. Just for context, every year Best <laughs> Friends does a you know sanctuary education program um, mm -hmm. where people that are in that industry or wanna be in it come take this course from Best Friends. It's online, then there's a week intensive actually in Utah. So this past year, me, they gave out one scholar, one scholarship each year. And this past year, or this year, Mina was actually the recipient of that uh, oh. scholarship. So oh, that's uh, great. Here in September. Wow, were you in Utah? Yes, I was at um, Best Friends Animal Sanctuary. I was actually emailing with um, the director of education just today, this morning, and yesterday, um, because they always want to be like in the know of what's happening at the moment and where where the sanctuary is heading and what we're doing and just making sure that like their scholarship didn't go to waste basically oh, <laughs> wow. really involved. it's really nice and and we're all we're both big fans of best friends and and, yeah, and friends with francis and greg and julie and all that so they're great i have one more thing i want to add then i'll shut up and stop my oh interview. no please it's a quick <laughs> just a quick anecdote that i want to share so Mina's heard me say this before. My dogs, my personal dogs, are not the sharpest tools in the shed. And it's like, I love them to death. I love them more than anything. And, but you always hear people go, oh, yeah, my dogs, like, you know, they, like, watch TV or they do this. Like, they, I'm like, no, they don't. Come on, stop already. I don't, I don't buy that, right? So when I lived in San Clemente years ago, I had my first two pit bull-type dogs, Marley and Ramon, my Staffordshire Terriers and Staffordshire Bull Terriers. And every Saturday morning, I swear to God, we sat on the sofa in my living room and three of us would watch Dogtown and they watched the whole thing. I oh anyway, had, to, I had to throw that out there. So anyway. Oh my God. I love that actually. A lot of people really love that series. It was sad that it went away. Um, 
Uh, I've heard from um, Cherry's parents, Cherry's family, that when Dogtown came on and he heard Michelle Besman, one of the trainers, um, speak, that Cherry would be like, zoop, (laughs) to like watch, to hear Michelle's voice. So that's so sweet of you. Um, Yeah, I love that series. I loved working on it. Absolutely loved working on it. It was so fun. Um, the following the people that we follow, the dog stories and the people at Best Friends are amazing. And the crew was amazing. Many of them are still really close friends of mine. Um, but you know, at the time I thought like I would never work on something that I loved nearly as much again. Um, and then of course I later worked on the champion. So So how did that um, how did that happen? Was that t- take us through it if you don't mind? Sure. Um, so during the course of filming Dogtown, which uh, the series lasted for almost three years, um, towards the end, we, we'd we been filming the series for a few years. And then um, we heard that uh, Best Friends was possibly taking the dogs that had been rescued from Michael Vick's fighting ring. Um, and it was very complicated for them to do so. Um, they were probably the only sanctuary in, in the country that was um, able to do such a thing um, because nobody at the time knew if these dogs would require sanctuary for the rest of their lives. Um, people didn't believe that these dogs could be, um, could, could be rehabilitated. Um, so, so um, they had the resources to keep them for life if necessary um, and had to sort of convince the powers that be. And I'm sure that there were a lot of hoops to jump through at the time that they were able to take on these dogs. Um, and there were like, there was lots of legal uh, kind of red tape to try to cut through to make that happen. How many dogs were there? Could you remind us? There were 50. And I, you know, I, and it's been a while, um, around 50. Um, you, you know, imagine taking 50 fighting dogs all at the same time. Oh I only have one right now, and ooh, <laughs> <laughs> right. a lot. It's a big undertaking. It's a big undertaking. A lot of them had, and they didn't really know what to expect. Um, they had people on the ground that were assessing the dogs um, and trying to get a handle uh, on what that might mean. But there were dogs that had serious medical issues. There were dogs that had behavioral issues. There were dogs that were really shut down um, and traumatized. Um, And some of them were all of the above. Um, So it was a pretty big undertaking. So we were, I was there on the ground with the team when the dogs arrived um, and followed them for a number of months. And we did, mm, we did a special on the, the dogs that was part of Dogtown. And then we followed a few of the dog stories throughout the course of the series. And then the series came to an end. National Geographic um, didn't continue the series. Um, and um, which was too bad because I think it had quite a lot of fans and it was a wonderful series. Um, and um over the course of time, I, I, of course, remained close with um, folks at Best Friends. Um, I was very close with Alyssa Jones, who um, was sort of the, the point person uh, who I worked really closely with while making the series. Um, and I knew that, um, and, I, and I was friends with, um, or in, in touch with some of the folks that had adopted some of the dogs over time. And I knew what was happening. 
Um, and I knew that nobody was following it. And it was kind of killing me <laughs> because I, I knew that the story was amazing. I had followed it firsthand for a long time. And I knew that these dogs that had arrived that both the Humane Society, who's changed their position on Pitbull since, and PETA, who has not, um, as far as I'm aware, um, and be, thought that these dogs should literally just be euthanized and that they had no hope, that I knew how far they'd come and were coming and that, that uh, they had defied all expectations and um, had gone into these adoptive homes. Um, and I, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And I, I put together um, a treatment. I approached a few networks and was very frustrated that I could not get a green light from some very prominent networks for some very interesting reasons. For those um, of which I don't know, can, what's a treatment? I was going to explain that, but I'll let Darcy do that. Oh, Rick, please explain for me what. <laughs> yeah, it's just a good, good, Mina. Yep. A treatment is sort of like it's similar to a pitch, um, but basically it was a write-up of what the story was and what I would show, and you know, it typically would go with a budget and a schedule. Um, you would approach um, networks um, with to see if they would say, yeah, they'd give you a green light, right? Like, yes, you want to do it. And here's the money to go ahead. And it's a really, it's a really lengthy, complicated undertaking to do a documentary feature. It takes a lot of resources. And it's not a good idea to embark upon the path unless you have the resources because you are likely to fail um, because it just takes so much time and energy that it just can't be done really. You can try again, but it just won't, it just won't work. Um, so, so the treatment, You're, no one's taking it. Yes. One prominent network that will not be named said that they would green light it if we could get an interview with Michael Vick, um, uh, which we could not. Um, Michael Vick has incredibly smart PR people and um, they very wisely probably said no thank you um and it it was maybe for the best because while i believe he deserved a voice and i would have liked to have given get, given him a voice he'd already said everything that he had to say about it and probably didn't have much more to share and it would have probably been a very different film um another prominent animal uh, related network um, was only doing programming about crazy humans at the time. And so uh, passed. Um, and so at that point, if you're doing a film on animals, there aren't really many more places that you could go. Homes at that point. Yep. So the only other choice then is to try to do something that's independent, um, which is you know to raise your own money independently, which is very challenging to do. But if you're fortunate enough to be able to do it, the uh, advantages that you can have an independent voice and tell the story, the exact story that you want to tell. Um, but then on the back end, you have to still find a distributor who's willing to get the film out there because unless people watch it, then you've basically it's like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it. Uh -huh. no. Did the tree fall? I don't really know the answer to that question. But like if you've made a film and nobody sees it, then what is the point? All that time and effort. So 
it's a very important part of the equation. Um, and so, and it's, you know, not uh, something to be taken lightly, but we were lucky that we ended up getting the film, that Netflix was interested in the film and Netflix at the time probably had a wider reach than any, any place and still does than any, maybe any network. Um, yeah, they because do. it has an international reach at this at this point. That's that, that, pretty that, formidable. That, that, you confirm that, correct? Yep. Uh, go go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So so yeah. So we got lucky um, that the film had the reach that it did, and um, uh, so it was all for the best um, that we were able to make an independent film. So I, I want to take you back. I, um, my apologies, because in my mind, the champions came before Dogtown. So you told us Dogtown is first, understand that. Do you remember back before you engaged with Best Friends or before you started on Dogtown, do you remember back in those days what your attitude was, your, any preconceptions about pit bull type dogs? Sure. I mean, I, I think that my attitudes about, we can even just talk about dogs in general, because I remember the exact moment when things started to change as far as uh, working on Dogtown and my attitude towards dogs um, at Best Friends, because they have a very unique perspective on it. Um, I think like most people, I wouldn't have been different from most people. I think most people have been taught to be afraid of pit bulls through the media, which is a pretty, uh, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, um, which the media is certainly guilty of and not just with respect to pit bulls. Um, they can make you afraid of the weather if they choose to, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so it's raining like crazy out there. You better be careful, you know, like, like, so, you know, it could be it anything. Sure did a number on making people afraid of pit bulls, no doubt about it. Yes. So uh, for sure. So, and I live in New York city. Um, and so, um, you know, there, uh, there is any number of people who live in the city who are irresponsible dog owners. Um, so, but, I think it was meeting, there weren't many pit bulls that I met at Best Friends before meeting the dogs that were rescued from Michael Vick. And at which point I literally was surrounded by 50 of them. Okay, so I'm, and, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm doing it again. I was dying to ask you this when you said you were there the day these 50 vicious, ferocious fighting dogs came in. What was what was the vibe like that day? What was everybody mm -hmm. thinking? What were they expecting? What were you expecting? Oh, well, um, I think there was a mixture. I mean, I know that Francis Batista, for example, who is one of the founders of Best Friends, the, the dogs that end up at Best Friends are sort of uniquely situated to be at Best Friends because they uh, have such serious medical or behavioral issues that they, it's like getting into Harvard, getting into best friends. Like you need to be unique enough that you can um, benefit greatly from the resources that best friends has, right? So there are some really challenging dogs at best friends, medically, behaviorally, um, that are not, you know, that weren't a part of this group that came from Michael Vick's fighting situation. So they already had a lot of experience working with challenging dogs, dogs that might have a bite history, 
dogs that might have very serious medical issues, dogs that might be completely shut down socially. So they were, and they have amazing trainers and a staff of caregivers. Um, and their leadership, of course, is incredible, right? So um, <clears throat> I think Francis already knew that the dogs had a shot at doing better than anybody ever could have expected. Um, and probably uh, other people at Best Friends, trainers and other staff also probably had that feeling. Um, and surely it wasn't the first time they'd taken in dogs rescued from a fighting situation. Although I'm not really sure of that, um, but it couldn't have been the case. Um, so I, the building had to build an entirely separate space for the dogs. They had to be segregated from the rest of the dog population, possibly for legal reasons, if I, if I remember, because the dogs were still part of a court case forget the specifics of how that worked, but they um, they built an entirely new space, entirely new runs. All the dogs were to be kept together um, in this space, you know, and separated. Of course. And when they'd already done some assessments with the dogs on the ground um, on the East Coast, so they had a good sense of which dogs um, might have aggression towards other dogs potentially, or which dogs might be completely shut down socially, which dogs had medical issues. And so they already had made some decisions based on those assessments they'd done on the East Coast. Um, it was a very exciting time. There was a lot of press, like a lot of news reporters on the ground when the dogs arrived. Um, I remember that there was um, a dog named Lucas um, who had been documented. There was paperwork and eyewitness accounts that he had been a champion fighter. He was a really big pit bull and he had a huge, and he had lots and lots of scars in his face. And he was gorgeous. Like, also, like he also, very interestingly, loved people absolutely loved people. And um, he was in his own crate because he actually didn't like other dogs. He'd been put into fights many, many times and he was a champion. And of course, if you are good at fighting, it will be a reinforced behavior that he probably got lots and lots of like good food when he succeeded. Um, and um, he, I was in his cage rel relatively often and he would always be super sweet and give lots of kisses. And he was um, really, really fantastic with people. And, and um, but over time, it you know, it's also really atypical for a dog, I think, to fight with other dogs. Um, it's it was there were only a few dogs that were known for fighting. Um, it was like Lucas, Georgia. There were one or other two, one or two others that didn't do well with other dogs. It, the majority had completely different issues. And so it was interesting because I learned over time that it's dogs don't want to fight other dogs. It's very difficult to get them to fight other dogs. Um, they only do so if it's kind of like, if somebody's really working at trying to get it to happen, maybe depriving them of things, annoying them, getting them to kind of snap 
<laughs> so that they'll break and do it. But I think to try to get a dog to fight, it's it's just not in their nature. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, or, or as you said, Lucas with people. Uh, question. So if you at this time were talking to your friends or your mom or whomever, and you said, hey, I'm going to go hang out in the kennel and get kisses from a giant fighting champion pit bull. What, what would your friends or your mom have, have said to that? <laughs> well, I'm very good at not telling my mom what I'm up to because <laughs> if I told my mom what I'm up to, she would completely freak out. Okay. Um, but, but, um, or my friends, but, um, but uh, I will say that, um, you know, I spent all this time in in and around the Michael Vick Pitbulls filming months. And then and not, and nothing happened. And then, and then I came back to New York City and I was walking my dog at Washington Square Park. Um, and I sat and I asked this spaniel to give me its paw. It gave me its paw. And then um, I asked it to give me its paw again. It gave me its paw again, and then it promptly, like, promptly bit me in the face. So oh, you know, right. so it's like, and it was not, you know, it just like hooked, and there was blood and everything. It wasn't that bad, but like, but I just was like, wow, you know, after all that time, like, and here I am in this like innocuous looking spaniel is the one that bites me in the face, like. <laughs> or yep. Yeah. Uh, in my experience, the Bajon, Lhasa Apsa, I'm not vilifying these dogs at all, but I've had uh Chihuahua. Oh, yeah. I'm, ter <laughs> I'm terrified of Chihuahuas. Speaking of, speaking of terrifying and fighting dogs, I just got a visitor, Mina. You know who's going to make a brief on-screen appearance, don't you? Oh, Wilson! There's my chief fighting dog right there, Darcy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How old is Wilson? Wilson's about four. He's a pure Staffordshire Bull Terrier, the real deal. Um, oh my gosh, he's got a big head. He's he's completely blind. <laughs> oh, I was wondering about his eyes. That's because I yeah. he I thought he might be older because of his eyes. Yeah, that's why his eyes look like that. But he is oh, the funniest wow. freaking thing you ever met, Paul huh, Wilson. And he's kind of asleep. He likes to bite noses. Want to bite my nose? No, not right now. No. He doesn't want to bite my nose right now. Anyway, thanks for oh, coming. He's adorable. Oh. Had to bring Wilson on. Sorry. Go ahead. So back to, uh, you know, your mom and the pit bull and the spaniel. And, you know, what, what I'm looking for is like the perception in your world. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. What you were, what you were doing and what you had involved yourself with. Um, and in, if it was a negative, I'm not trying to feed you, but if it was a negative perception or a scary perception, how, if at all, did your experience differ with what people thought it would be? Um, I mean, I would think that most people at the time would have thought that these dogs rescued from Michael Vick's dog fighting ring would be really aggressive and they would be um, dangerous to be around. And that we'd have to be super careful being in the runs with the dogs and you know we were best friends staff and caregivers were incredibly conscientious about making sure that they kept 
us safe, kept the staff safe, kept us, the filmmakers safe, um, and kept um, the dog safe. Um, if a dog bites somebody, that's a very serious history to carry. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when dogs are afraid um, and you, you know, have them into a corner, it's possible that they might bite because of that. And so um, the staff did a great job, um, I think, um, managing all of that, um, all those variables. Interestingly, you know, most of the dogs were really shut down socially. Um, it was more typical that a dog would have issues more like the issues that Cherry, one of the four dogs that we featured in the film, The Champions, had. Um, he was completely terrified, um, could frozen, you know, couldn't walk. He would flatten like a pancake and uh, not move. You couldn't even drag him on a leash. Um, he would sit in a corner and not engage with Michelle Besman um, Weaver, um, who spent months with Cherry, getting him used to being around her and underneath her desk when she was working. So it was more typical that the dogs would be shut down like that than anything. That was, I think, the predominant challenge that they faced. And whether a dog like that, like Cherry, ever could be, I hesitate to use the word rehabilitated because these were dogs that were so badly abused that it's almost like an insult to use the word rehabilitated in their case because they came so far that um, it was more like they just needed an opportunity um, to show who they were really were as animals rather than to be rehabilitated. Um, cause they, they didn't want to fight to start with. Um, so I think that what's interesting about the dogs and what's interesting about, I think many things in life, if you're a filmmaker is that you, it's always a mistake to go in with preconceived notions, right? Because it's more typical that the reality is not what you would expect. Um, and I think that that was the case here, um, that um, these dogs defied all expectations and that the media had done a really good job making them seem really scary and dangerous. Um, but really it's the people that um, were the scary and dangerous ones. Our, our, um, our pal Michael Vick, for instance. Um, if. It, and I want to come back to what you just said in a moment, but I have to ask this. If you had, if Michael Vick had said, yes, I'll come on, I'll come on film. I'll, I'll do this movie for you. What, what would your approach have been? What, what, how did you feel about him at that time? I, I guess as a documentarian, you have to be objective, but mm -hmm. I'm wondering, were you objective? What was your viewpoint and what would you have tried to talk to him about? Well, that's a great question. Um, I really love about best friends that they're very good at being uh, very positive and kind of forward moving and proactive. They do not dwell in the darkness. They do not dwell on the negative. To them, it did not matter who Michael Vick was or what he'd done to these dogs. The focus was on the dogs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they didn't waste 
time and energy or breath on Michael Vick. Um, and so part of the reason I think that the film perhaps is as optimistic as it is and idealistic and so much more, it's about love really, right? It's about unconditional love and the bond that we have between animals and humans and hope and uh, overcoming the odds. But if Michael Vick had been involved, it would have been a very different film. Um, I had, you know, I had, I had looked at a lot of video of Michael Vick to see what he had to say about what had happened. And I don't know, I don't believe that he maybe had a very hmm, complicated, com I don't think he had a very evolved understanding of what he had done. I didn't really believe that he felt that sorry about what he'd done. Um, I, I think that he probably grew up in a place where that was not atypical or an environment where it wasn't atypical. Um, and, you know, if you read the uh, report uh, that was, um, it was like a 17 page report of what he had done that was corroborated by eyewitnesses of him doing things that are far worse than was reported in the media, actually. Um, it's hard not to feel horrified by that. But I mean, people don't, people are people born bad? I don't think so, right? Like he was probably abused as a child or didn't get what he needed as a child, uh, didn't get what he needed in life. And so did these terrible things. In some ways, I feel a little bit sorry for him. Um, but I that that he's the kind of person that would do these things. I can't imagine doing these things to another living creature. Um, that must not feel very good, you know. Like I, um, so I. What we what would he have said? I mean, we can all imagine what he would have said in the interview. You know, he would have apologized. He would have said he felt sorry. He would have said that it wasn't the right thing to do, but he did all these things and they were horrific. Um, and he partnered with the Humane Society at the time. And I think that they, he gave the Humane Society, I believe, I want to say it was something like $50,000 or something. Um, and although, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure what the facts are there, but um, and he, you know, pretended to talk to some youth groups about what he had done and that it wasn't right. Dog fighting still happens today. I mean, it's terrible that people abuse animals. Like, I just don't even. I mean, I, I think I guess it comes along with somebody who's hasn't had a great life, and you know. The positive of best friends because as a rescue in Japan, people, whenever I put a new animal up, people always want to know where did it come from? What's the story? And I'm like, why does that matter? This is a dog here now that is happy and or shut down. I, I will talk about the dog, but everyone wants to know the past. And I'm like, it doesn't matter right now. We want to focus on getting it into a good home a loving home and focus on good stuff and i really like the way that um 
you explained just now how how best friends doesn't dwell in the darkness and is always positive and forwards thinking and and just moves towards a better future for the animals and they focus on the actual animals and not the past yeah mina that, that was so well said it's like it's a perfect segue i think to to this we we've all used the word rehabilitate several times during during this hour and in my mind when you get a dog where these horrible things are done to him or her and now they're at sanctuary or at rescue and maybe they have a second chance so what's the goal and i think Mina just said loving home so these 50 dogs come out of michael vick's ring to dogtown i remember the time in the media and people like PETA, not organizations but people were saying they need to be put down there's no hope for these dogs they're going to rip people apart so on and so forth of the 50 dogs do you recall how many of them went to homes um there's so much to respond to there between what you both said um <laughs> that's a great question question rick i'm not really sure of the answer to that um i mean because there were 50 dogs that went to best friends there were 10 dogs around 10 dogs that went to bad rap there were a few dogs that went to other places um some of the dogs had serious medical issues some of the dogs passed away there were not some of the dogs passed away in sanctuary because they were older mm -hmm. many of the dogs were older and of course they'd had really difficult lives a lot of them had babesia this bloodborne disease that was pretty serious actually um most of them, I mean, I think a lot of them, a, a lot more of them went into adoptive homes than you ever could possibly imagine. There were only a few. There was one in particular that I'm thinking of that had pretty serious issues with other dogs, with humans, and really only its caregiver interacted with the dog. Um, and we kind of, you know, stayed uh, a distance from that dog. Most of the dogs were went on to have pretty positive lives and of course we featured only four of them but there were there were quite a few that we and and those dogs were chosen with care um for the reasons why we chose those particular four you know remember um, I, I remember hearing darcy and this could be misreported but i was i was one of the few had like the actual stats because i don't what i remember hearing and reading at the time is that 33 dogs went to homes. Does that sound even that's possible? So interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's interesting. I feel bad that I can't remember specifically. No, no, that's okay. Because I, I don't know. Um, I just heard it. I'm just repeating what I've When I was there yeah. in September, I heard that only one or two of them were left. But mo the majority had gone to loving homes and, and had thrived and had great lives. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, if that number is true, and, and who knows if it, I'm not saying it is or isn't, but that, if that number is true, let's take a leap for a moment and say it is. That's pretty remarkable, isn't it? And I think it's just a, it's a, a testament to the, the animal spirit and for what humans, what these animals can realize in the hands of the right humans also. It's mm -hmm. pretty amazing. I mean, I want to say it's kind of like a bigger number than that even. So yeah, I think it's definitely possible. And um, if, if I mean, there, there were dogs that, you know, had the serious medical issues. So, so yeah, I wish I knew the stats and I don't, but. Um, 
that's all right. Just wondering. Um, but I think it's safe to say the majority, probably. I think yeah, more than oh, half. Sure. Certainly. All right. Well, can I ask you, because we are coming up to the end of our hour, do you have an opinion on pit bulls now? After after um, the whole the champions documentation, do you have an opinion on pit bulls and, and what do you think about them? If someone mentions pit bulls, what comes into your mind? Sure. Well, I live on the Upper West Side in New York City and um, uh, over time I've seen um, the type of person who um, is walking a pit bull change pretty dramatically. Um, so, you know, Best Friends was, one of their missions was to change the uh, image of pit bulls. And there were other like-minded organizations, Bad Rap among them, also included in the Champions um, Animal Farm Foundation. There are certainly others, um, people who have been working very hard to change the image of pit bulls. Um, I, I, I like to... Uh, believe that the champions that followed the work of these amazing organizations, um, two of them, um, helped um, along the way. I know that the film was seen by a lot of a lot of people. Um, and you know, over time the tide turns, uh, right? So there are many, many more pit bulls now than there ever have been. I think that people still will, you know, cross the road when they see a pit bull approaching. Um, they're still, they're very big dogs. They look really powerful, right? They, if you have a smaller dog, um, it makes sense that you might be afraid. Um, I've always had, uh, the experiences that, that I've had with dogs and walking my own dog have been with different breeds. Um, so, you know, any dog has the potential to interact badly with any other dog. It, every dog is an individual. Um, um, there are lots of reasons that one dog might not like another um, when you're in a place like New York City and there are lots of dogs off leash. So I love pit bulls and when I see one, I try really hard uh, to go, it's not hard to try to go up to a pit bull because I'm always attracted to them and or any other dog. But um, I will make an effort to go up to say hello to the pit bull. Um, and to also, I, it's like my way of saying to the owner, I know your dog's really sweet and friendly, most likely. Um, can I, can I, is your dog friendly with people? I always will ask regardless of the dog, is your dog friendly with people? And then if I have my dog, is your dog friendly with other dogs? Um, so, um, regardless of, uh, what breed, um, and, um, I sort of feel, I still feel sad, you know, that pit bulls still have that lingering kind of reputation because they certainly don't deserve it. And, and right now there's something happening in the UK. Oh my God, where... start on that. I I was going to talk to Rick about this before with the Excel bully band. Yeah, look, we, I think we'll save that for another another time, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's I, another that's thing that we did. I love where you're going with that, Darcy. <laughs> And 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 Mino is such a great question, I and mean, I loved where you're going with it. Um, yeah, so let's let's stay on that track because, as you said, we're almost at the hour, and um, uh, we want to yeah, so find a positive flight. So basically, you're saying is pit bulls are just a, a, another type of dog. They have the same issues as other dogs. They have that. That's what I got from listening to you just now. 
Yeah, they're gentle giants. I mean, they're, I think that one, it needs to take care with any dog that's over a certain size, um, regardless of what the breed is. But in my experience, pit bulls tend to be gentle giants that are really great with people. Most are very good with other dogs. Um, and um, I also think that they're really cute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll agree with that. They're good-looking dogs. I think that's a perfect place to uh, to go home <laughs> for the evening. Yes, um, I absolutely agree. Yeah, Darcy, thanks for coming on. Really do appreciate it. And uh, the the champions I know is available to watch on uh, on Amazon Prime at present. Yeah, uh, it's available Darcy, in a few different places online. Mm -hmm. Where else? Where else can people see the champions? That's a very good question. Can I look it up? <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> It's, well, it's a, it was on Netflix for a while and now, um, uh, yeah, sorry. I'd have to look it up. Cause we'd right. have to, we'd have to cut. Well, I, I will just, how about I say this? I'll encourage everybody out there listening. If you don't have Amazon prime, well, you could obviously rent it on Amazon prime if you don't have the subscription. Um, uh, but look it up the champions. It's, it's available in like a few different places. Basically I just worked to pull it from our, our, we pulled it from our distributor and I had to move it over to a new platform. It's now up and it should be available in like four or five different places online, including well, our website, we which is championsdocumentary.com. Rick, can we put it in the description? Cause it would be good for people to be able to see um, the champions before Absolutely. they actually watch this podcast. Yes, we'll do that. Absolutely. We will. And then Darcy, where else uh, is there a platform people would go to to uh, check out the works of Darcy Dennett? You're so nice to ask. Um, uh, Fireflyfilmworks.com. Um, yes, uh, it needs to be slightly updated, but it's relatively update. I've, I'm, I'm under the radar now with what I'm up to at the moment. I'm not supposed to talk about it, which is very exciting that I'm working on something that can't be. We'll look, we'll look forward to it whenever it's uh, whenever it's out for public consumption. Then, yeah, <laughs> Darcy, thank you. I know it's late your time. I mean, I have no idea what is your time, but you never sleep anyway, so who cares? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, you know it's great seeing both of you. And uh, Mina, hang on with me for a second, if you don't mind. Darcy, thanks thank so much. Um, it was a pleasure chatting with you guys. And I can send you a screen grab of like, I can very easily find where it's available and I'll send it to you so that you, if, if you're, if you're able to use it, uh, you'll have it. That would Thank be you. great. Thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation. I was worried that because I've talked about the film so many times back when it came out, I was worried that I wouldn't have a similar level of energy for it, but you guys did a really wonderful job bringing out the enthusiasm and love that I have for the film. So thank you. I really appreciate oh, that. You were great you. interviewers. Likewise. Thank um, you, Darcy. And um, we'll, you. Uh, we, we'll let you know when this is coming out. That sounds great. Thank you. Thanks, thank you friend. so much for coming on. Have okay, a good night. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, Amina. Wow. Do you know what I really, really loved was how she explained what the media can do and how it can poison us and like how they can make us afraid of the weather so they have so much control and it's ridiculous what they're doing that uh, okay we we don't like this group of people we don't like this breed of dogs we don't it's raining loads yep. Yep. It, they, they just they <laughs>
And pit bulls, unfortunately, the breed or the type of dog that's being, you know, victimized these days. In the 70s, it was the German Shepherd. In the 80s, it was the Doberman Pinscher. In the 90s, it was the Rottweiler. Um, and, it, and it's been pit bulls ever since. And, you know, yeah. I, think, I think people might say, oh, it's because they're, they're whatever, uh, put that aside. I think it's because media in the 90s became so proliferate with this thing called uh, the Internet. Um, yeah. <laughs> so in, in my mind, that's why it's stuck. But thankfully, I think the tide is pulling back. We're seeing more and more breed bands in the U.S., at least being wiped out, which is a beautiful thing. And as Darcy said- There was a, another thing that you mentioned. Um, when we were talking about it a while back now. You were talking about how the pit bull um, was is the first breed that was associated with any kind of music. And it's rap, rap music, and also it's associated with gangsters as well. That's why you won't call OG, OG, and you ch change it to Yogi because you don't want to associate it with anything bad. Absolutely. You're not going to catch my dogs running around with big old spike collars and cropped ears and black leather vests and all that. It ain't happening. It's just, it's more perpetuating an unfair stereotype. And yeah. I think we've all had enough of that. Yeah. You well, did have bangles, did have um, cropped ears, right? Oh, sorry? Did, didn't Bangles have um, cropped ears? It's of my personal dogs. She's the only one that had ever been cropped. Yes, that yeah. was. Well, I've, I've never had a dog with cropped ears either. But if one needed a home, then of course they, they would be welcome here, just like I would imagine well, your place I, too. I, Bangles' ears, I, I think cropped as being far too generous. They were hacked off. It was so wrong. And she was so sweet and so beautiful that. I forgave her for her ugly ears. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh my God, Mina, good to see you. Great, great stuff today. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it today. People out there, www.animo, not animal, animo, a n i m o, sanctuary.com. Check it out and follow Mina and Mina's Animal Sanctuary. We're most um, active on Facebook. So if you look up Animo on Facebook, that's where most of the stuff goes on. We've got Patreon going on as well. Um, well, as always, keep up your great work. And uh, I will see you next week, my friend. Can I, can I show my T-shirt that I got for this week? I don't know. Can you? We uh, are their voice. Love it. Love it, love it. That's fantastic. That boy, that's so spot on. There's yep. nothing to add to that. <laughs> that's how I wanted to end today. <laughs> Perfect. See you next week, Mina. All right. Thank you. See you next week, Rick. Have a great week. You too. Bye bye. Bye.